Hey everyone, welcome to Founders 365 with me, Stephen Haggerty. Today I'm joined by founder of Vive Protein Water, Raphael Rosenson. I think I got that right. Yes, well done. Oh, praise the Lord. How are you today, Raphael? Welcome to the show. Thanks for being on here. I'm good, yeah. I'm I'm incredibly hot. Um, yeah. It's I about, mean, um, it's, it's for the past week, actually. It's, um, I've, I've been trying to kind of work. I, I went back into my co-working space for the first time in... Oh, how was that? Five months. Um, it was air-conditioned, which was the, the most amazing thing. Yeah. Um, uh, but it was a bit weird being back in the office. There weren't that many that many people. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's just been roasting. It's a, I'm looking at my thermostat now. It's about 30 degrees. So... Uh, Inside. Yes, yeah. So if I'm sweating profusely during the interview, I apologize. <laughs> Don't worry. If, if anyone's listened to this in six months' time, this is the week that England melted, I think, is is the official term we're going with. Yes, there was no escape. No. Although it's really weird because at the moment you've also got like huge flooding in the north. So it's a real diverse bit of weather at the moment. Yeah, we're we're waiting for the rain to come. It was supposed to rain yesterday. And I know. Everything. I was promised a storm today, and it hasn't happened. It's supposed to rain today, but again, nothing. No, they've let us down. The weather gods has let us down, but that's okay. Yeah. yeah. So enough about the typically British conversation of weather. We've done yeah. well there. Yeah. Tell me more about the protein water because this is a story that, well, from listen watching the growth and sort of doing my research. It seems like this is going to be an epic story about how you how you started and where you're going. Yeah, well, I, uh, epic no is pressure. a pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to start this one now. Um, uh, yeah, so I mean, I guess I'll start by saying a little bit of background on kind of myself, why I came up with the product, um, our journey so far. Um, so as a bit of background, I've worked in kind of FMCG consumer goods um, for about 12 years, worked for a lot of really, really big companies, people like P&G, Disney, Bacardi, JSK, Danone, Mars, did like sales, marketing, category strategy, the, the whole works. Um, and I've been taking sports events for a really long time. So I've been taking them for about uh, 20 years or so. Um, and I uh, never really liked kind of the taste or the experience of them. I always hated kind of like mixing powders and milky shakes. Um, I'm also lactose intolerant. So always kind of had a real problem taking these um, these products, but just kind of took them anyways because I, I, I worked out and I, I saw the benefit when I took them. Um, and basically a couple of years ago, I was working at uh, Evian. So I was working uh, for Danone Waters. Um, and one day I... Um, and also at the time, I should say, I was taking a ridiculous amount of protein. So, you know, like cans of tuna, protein shakes three times a day, like Far too much, uh, chicken breast. Like I, I was literally on the verge of throwing up. And one day I just remember I was looking at a bottle of water and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if you could actually get protein? It was sort of refreshing and it was hydrating and it didn't taste gross. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of how... I came up with the uh, the idea for um, the product, um, so it was really just something that I kind of I, I would would use and I would like, and thankfully a lot of other people have kind of grabbed towards it. Um, so we launched about uh, two and a half years ago. Um, I launched kind of online uh, via our website, um, then uh, into Amazon. Uh, where we've done exceptionally well. So we've been kind of the, one of the best-selling protein drinks on there for the past two and a half years, also much bigger brands. Um, uh, and then we've slowly gone into retail. Um, so we were in about like 100 or so gyms um, in the UK, but obviously that's kind of uh, really up in the air at the moment. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we also have a really big export business. Um, so we export to about 16 markets across Europe, Middle East, and Asia. Um, and again, with, with COVID, some of those markets have done better than others. Some some have fared mm -hmm. worse. Um, and uh, yeah, roughly for the past two years, we've been growing about uh, 60, 70% year on year. Uh, this year, we, we are roughly projecting to do the same, even with COVID. Amazing, wow. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, and the business has gotten really good uh, traction with uh, with consumers. So, um, if you go across our website on Amazon, we have about five hundred five star reviews. Uh, so people really like the product. We've been in pretty much every major publication. You know, Guardian, Women's Health, uh, uh, FT, Forbes, you name it. Uh, all, all the good ones. Yeah, all the, all the all the good ones. Some of the bad ones too. Um, uh, so yeah, and obviously with, with COVID, our business has, has changed quite a lot, um, and it's changing quite a lot in the next, going to change quite a lot in the next couple of months as well. Uh, but that was a bit of a long-winded story, but that's a bit of a background. <laughs> but it's so, so funny, as you were just saying that, uh, one of the Facebook viewers on the live stream has just said, I'm drinking a strawberry and rhubarb one right now. Oh, lovely. Okay, great. So how amazing is that for you? I want to take it back to when you looked at that bottle of water and you thought, why can't I merge these two things? Why can't I merge the protein and the, like you said, the refreshingness and the, I guess also a bit of easiness as well, right? How yeah. did the process start with that? How did it get to the refined product that you've got today? And I'm guessing there's a lot of trial and error. Yeah, it was, I, I sort of jumped over quite a big step, but it was about <laughs> a two, two year uh, development cycle. Wow. Um, there are a lot of steps associated with that. Um, one was uh, obviously just finding a recipe developer, um, uh, fine-tuning the recipe. So there was a lot of iterations back and forth. Um, the emphasis with our product is really taste. Uh, we want to really focus on making one of the best tasting uh, protein products in the market. Mm -hmm. Actually, the, the associate editor of Mentel said it was the best tasting protein product he's ever tried, which wow. is really great. That's a pretty um, good but um, but it took a lot of iterations to kind of get there. So a lot of back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other challenge we had as a, as a startup brand was really finding a manufacturer. So most of the manufacturers that I spoke to initially, the volumes were just so so high. You know, we're talking like a hundred thousand units to wow. start out with, um, and obviously that requires a lot of capital, um, a lot of upfront investment. Um, so it's really 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 challenging. So. It was it was quite a lot of different steps. There was a step of actually coming up with the actual recipe. There was a step of finding a manufacturer. There's a step of searching the ingredients. Um, there's a financing step as well. So um, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to have? Did you did you go down the bootstrap or did you get investment? I I did uh, bootstrap it. Um, so it was bootstrapped, and then I got a virgin startup loan as well. Um, oh, which which I would recommend. I've I've always recommended to anybody who's starting out a business. Uh, it's a government-backed scheme um, through the startup loans company, and it's five thousand repayable over five years at a very reasonable interest rate. Um, so it's really good to kind of kick you off, um, and they also force you to kind of do a business plan, a cash flow forecast, and you have like a mentor that you work with <laughs> as well. So um, uh, yeah, you kind of have a bit of thinking that goes behind it. Yeah, no, I've heard so so many great stories about uh, the Virgin startup loan, and it's um, it's so great that there's that that access out there for entrepreneurs now whereas yeah. Yeah. you know there's more and more um i'll be interested to see what comes out after all of this and you know what's that position going to be like in the next sort of 12 to 18 months but i think there's some interesting opportunities there uh for you when when the product was refined so after you had all you know that two-year journey and you had 
I guess your first, how can I put it, your first commercially sellable product that you knew was ready to go to market. How did that feel for you as a founder, as someone who literally started this idea thinking, I'm a guy that uses, would use this product. I, you know, I, I have a lot of protein in my life, but I want to have it consume it in a better way. Yeah, it was, um, I remember the moment when we were in the factory for the first time and you kind of see it rolling off uh, the line for the first time. Um, it was actually quite scary <laughs> because um, everything up to that point was actually quite conceptualized. Um, mm -hmm. And to actually see all that product and to see like pallets and pallets of products and you're like, oh, I have to actually sell this stuff now. <laughs> um, we've actually now it's the hard bit. Um, it was kind of this mixture of kind of um, enthusiasm, excitement and, and fear. Mm, yeah, I bet. <laughs> I would say that at the same time. Um, uh, yeah, it was quite, quite a surreal feeling, actually. And for you, uh, as again, as a founder, you know, your, your past experience was, uh, I guess the right word is corporate, you know, working for other people and now starting this journey on your own starting you know bootstrapping it on your own not having that sort of backing in terms of not just money but also mentorship until you did the virgin startup loan but for you what made what kept you motivated what kept you making sure that you got to that stage where you saw that first bottle come out the line and you saw it all packed up and you then thought oh it's happened it's real um i think um uh... Part of it was, well, if I'm going to be honest, I've had a bit of a midlife crisis. Um, so so you, didn't, I, I, you didn't buy a Porsche. Instead, you thought. I definitely couldn't afford to buy a Porsche. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I still can't afford to buy a Porsche, unfortunately. Um, and uh, I probably never will, but that's okay. Um, but uh, I, I kind of worked for a lot of these really, really big companies. And um, uh, I, I got to a stage in my career where I realized I just wasn't really happy mm -hmm. working in these big kind of structured matrixed environments uh, where I didn't have a lot of controls and decision making and I kind of had to, to um, spend a lot of my time just kind of to sell my ideas upstream, counting a lot of projections, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I kind of just took a look at what would really make me happy. And I realized, you know, the only way I'm going to be happy is if I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I've got all the passion, all these ideas and all this creativity. And um, uh, uh, I realized that's really the only way I can kind of um, uh, reach a level of being professionally happy in what I do. Um, and so that was really the, the motivation. It's like, you know, you need to make this work uh, because this is ultimately what, uh, what, what makes you happy in a way, yeah. I guess. And, and that's what so much boils down to. It's just what makes me happy and realizing that as well. It's so great that you realize that, that your, your previous path wasn't leading to that end result. Uh, and it's so great to see that it is now. For you, the last two and a half years, uh, how have you managed the growth? How have you managed to, you know, get into 300 odd outlets, become an Amazon bestseller, work with a Cardo? What was your game plan right at the beginning for that? Did you know this was uh, going to be where you would be two and a half years old? No. Off? So I, I would say, uh, in terms of where we are, where we started, where we, where we, where we're going is, is really quite different and it's a journey and it, it changes almost on a, a weekly basis, basically. <laughs> Uh, because when we launched the product, you know, it, it was like uh, the ambition of a lot of um, food and drink entrepreneurs is, you know, get it into as many stores as possible, uh, really, really max out the distribution. Um, uh, and unfortunately, it wasn't that easy. So uh, um, 
I'd come from a background where I worked for a lot of big companies and, you know, when we went in front of a retailer and we had a new product, it would just get listed. Sure. Um, and so I uh, appreciate now, I wasn't really aware of just how difficult it was getting something completely unknown um, onto a shelf in a Tesco or in Sainsbury's or what have you. Um, so it was a very, very slow build at first. We, we didn't, um, I would say the, the first year or so, we were massively, massively off where we wanted to be. Um, uh, but what we, we did is just, what, what I did is just refocus the strategy. So we realized, you know, we started getting a lot of traction on Amazon. Like people started buying the product. They liked it. They reviewed it. They came back, you know, about 70% of our customers repeat purchase. So after a while, it's just a gradual build of kind of like acquiring customers, having them come back and repurchase, like the product, um, endorse the product as well. So most of our, we don't, we still don't spend massive, massive amounts of, of marketing like some of our competitors, you know, yeah. our budgets are probably one one hundredths of, you know, people like Grenade or UFIT or uh, Upbeat or any of these brands. But we just get a lot of referrals and a lot of people recommending the product. Um, we've also discovered different uh, consumer segments of uh, people who are using our product who we didn't anticipate. Um, so, for example, about 25% of the people who buy our product are people who need protein for medical reasons. So people who are going through post-op surgeries, cancer patients. So that's never really been into the plan. So that's a whole new group of yeah. uh, consumers that we're kind of um, dealing with. Um, so I, I would say it's been a very, very slow build. It's been a lot of kind of trial and error. Um, we went into some retailers where it didn't work. Uh, we went into some markets where it didn't work. We were with the wrong partners. Um, it's been a lot of kind of trial um, and error um, to get to the point where we are now. Uh, and thankfully now we have a very strong steady base of, of shoppers uh, who are buying our product online. We have great visibility online. Um, uh, you know, we might never go into a Tesco or Sainsbury's or whatever, and that's okay. I mean, I, I, that's not really the focus for the business anymore. We've got a really strong direct uh, business, and if we're never in a supermarket or what have you, that's that's actually okay. But that's was, was that quite hard for you to overcome? Because obviously, your background was so used to, like you said, pitching into big supermarkets, having almost like that natural life cycle of a product and then with your own product and your own business early days naturally you probably thought that's where you wanted to go was that easy for you to go actually i don't want to do that anymore or so like you just said it's okay not to do that so one of the things that you kind of learn is there's a lot of uh, especially within kind of the startup food and drink community there's a lot of brands that go into supermarkets that fail um and it becomes a very uh expensive exercise and mm can ultimately, uh, and I can speak from experience of other brands, can kill other brands. Yeah. Uh, you invest in a lot in getting a listing in Tesco and Sainsbury's, you know, because it, it's not just about the supermarket listing. You have to structure your whole business around them. So your price points, um, your pack sizes, everything. So you really build the business model around, around that particular channel. Um, and that's, I've, I've seen that really kill some other businesses. Um, so uh, at first it was disappointing because you know we didn't get we didn't get the volume growth that we we, we could have you know we're not growing four hundred percent or whatever year on year because we got the big supermarket listing but on the other hand I mean this year we're gonna turn our, our first profit um, uh, which is pretty good for amazing congratulations yes yeah it's not a massive one but you know it's a, it's, it's, a, it's still a milestone yeah yeah so you know um, most food and drink businesses are like aren't profitable until 
year five or year six. Oh, wow. Um, so, uh, we managed to do that just after a couple of years. Um, and you know, now we're investing a lot of that money just back into innovation into launching mm. new products. Uh, and so, so yeah, I guess it was a bit challenging at first, but I think just like as an entrepreneur, you have to realize that it's a journey yeah. and you have to be flexible in terms of, uh, the end goal and how you get there, the time and the path path that you take, um, it's not, it's not set in stone. No, hundred percent. How do you handle things when they don't go to plan, when they go wrong? Because I'm sure there must have been situations in the last two two and a bit <clears> years where, you know, again, it, because you've got a physical product, it's effectively money on the line, isn't it? So when yeah. things don't go to plan, how do you, as a founder, deal with that? You know, speak to the rest of the team and things like this. Yeah. Um, so I I I meditate first of all. <laughs> Uh, so I meditate every day. Um, uh, I, I would say um, you can't overreact to situations. So that's the most important thing mm. is, you know, mistakes happen. They happen all the time. The important thing is just to kind of learn from them. Make sure that you don't have any one mistake that you hedge things enough that, um, uh, you know, something doesn't drown the business. Um, so do as much risk aversion as possible. Uh, but I think the important thing is just not to overact and to, to run and learn from the situation, really. Yeah, fantastic. For you, what's next then? Because you mentioned, you know, reinvesting into innovation. What is next for the Vive prop, uh, property, Vive Protein brand? And yeah. uh, what sort of sites have you got your, your eyes set on? Yeah, so um, our focus as a brand is, uh, you know, when we launch, we're going to be all we were, we are, we were. Uh, all about the waters um, and actually that's going to really change we've got a very exciting pipeline of innovation where we're going to be going into uh, new segments um, and really the idea is to focus on what what the core of the brand is in terms of taste uh, flavor uh, high protein content low sugar um, and really expand that out into uh, innovation that's quite new and unique in the category, um, I think. Um, so that's going to be really uh, the focus. Um, we're very much still focused on DTC. We've actually shifted away from retail completely. So during the past three or four months, our sales have actually doubled um, just across online and Amazon, wow. uh, more than doubled. Um, so actually, at the moment, we don't really need retailers. Mm -hmm. So don't have to worry about limitations of shelf we don't have to worry about sales teams having to go out and sell things we're just really focused on kind of understanding our consumer delighting our consumer and then bring them innovation um that they will hopefully purchase um so the the, the shift of the business is really going to focus we're going to move away from just being about one product to really being about a solution um yeah. for our, our consumers um and really standing about a couple of core things um so yeah, that's that's really going to be um, uh, the focus. Brilliant. How does it feel going back to that innovation phase? Obviously, two years of that, or two years created the first product, and now you're going back at that with so much more knowledge, so much more trial and error, and yeah. I'm guessing a lot more focus in terms of what your customers want. Does that make the process easier for you? Yes, it does. A lot of it is still, I mean, obviously, we're not doing hordes and hordes of market research to really understand our consumers. A lot of it is still I'm just doing from my gut. I yeah. kind of have, um, and it's, some of it is from like listening to what um, our consumers are saying as well, obviously. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, the easiest thing now is like when I email people, they actually want to talk to us. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, whereas before, trying to get people's attention was yeah. just uh, impossible. Um, and obviously now I'm a lot more aware in terms of kind of like the manufacturing, the process. Mm. Uh, um, so it's it's much, much easier um, uh, than it was before. Have you... Do you get do you get those emails now where people are thinking, oh, actually, I want part of you, I want part of the brand, and for you, do you how's that conversation with your head? Because you know you're you're at a stage now where I'm guessing for you to go out and get a, a large sum of investment could be quite easy, as opposed to it was two two and a half years ago. For you, is that an option, or do you want to just carry on doing what you're doing, sort of self investing because it's working? Yeah, I would say getting investment is still really, really hard. Um, so investors typically, when they look at food and drink brands like ours, they don't really still understand the model. Um, that might change with COVID, but they look at like, okay, you're in Tesco, Sainsbury's, um, mm. okay, yeah, here's a million pounds. Um, so they it's don't... quite a traditional way to look at things. Yeah, yeah, it does. So um, uh, they're kind of really still focused on that. We're not looking to raise money at the moment. Um, we were we got um, like a bounce back loan and stuff from the government, which is yeah. really helping us out. Um, I would prefer to go down the loan versus the equity route because um, interest rates are quite low at the moment. Um, so we're not really looking for investment, but I would say an investment in, in the food and drink space um, compared to like tech, for example, um, yeah. one of the other people that you've had on, on your, your podcast and stuff um it's very still very very difficult yeah i think some some investors in the tech world effectively wake up throw a dart to a board and think okay i'm going to invest in that tech business uh, yeah it, it can be a little bit like that if you're an angel investor and you've got that you've got the funds you want you want the crazy facebook returns right yeah that's what everyone's chasing you know that's kind of what you want you don't want like slow and steady growth and yeah you want you you want to discover the next Facebook basically. It's always interesting just speak looking at the market and seeing how different investors work and and obviously the industries for you. Uh, one of my final questions for you, Raphael, is you know you mentioned meditation. What other things do you do on your daily routine to make sure that you're turning up for the business, that you're being the best boss, founder, creator, innovator that you can be to make sure the business goes to where you want it to go. Uh, yeah, I think there's a couple of things. So one is I, I do have a bit of a daily routine. So I do uh, meditate. I exercise every day. Um, I have what I found really important in, in the past is really understanding what you're working towards. So having a clear set of goals uh, every every quarter. Um, I, I used to use, um, I kind of stopped using it, but there's something called the best self journal. Um, and basically what that does is it um, forces you to look at by quarter, basically, what are the, the three key things that you want to achieve? And then what are the tasks that you're doing on a weekly, daily basis to kind of achieve those goals? So, you know, if you want to grow by 20% next year, what are the, the three things that you need yeah. to do? Then structure your day so that you're doing things um, to kind of achieve that. Um, so I find I, I did that for a while and that gave me a really good good focus. Uh, obviously with COVID, the whole situation kind of makes it a bit difficult to plan. Um, but it's really about having a sense of, of uh, um, focus, uh, uh, understanding where you want to go and understanding the things that you're doing in your day to really enable yourself to, to kind of get there. No, I completely agree. And uh, it's obviously working because, you know, your, your brand is growing, you're getting into the right places and 
you cannot argue with the customer feedback, which is one of the best things. Yes, yes. It's good for now. Every day. Is <laughs> for now, for now. Yeah. Listen, Raphael, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I really, really respect your time. And one last question is, how can people find out more about the brand? How can we people try it, purchase it? What's the best route for that? Uh, the best part of the interview, yes. <laughs> um, so you can purchase us on uh, drink-vive.co.uk. Um, we ship in the UK. We ship all over Europe as well. You can purchase us on Amazon. Just uh, search uh, the protein water. Uh, we're on Ocado as well. Uh, hopefully, we'll be in your local gym soon. But that's up to be up in here. But, uh, yeah, just check us out online. Uh, Instagram at drinkvive. Perfect. I will make sure I'll be adding it to my next Ocado order as well. Awesome. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank and you so much for coming on. Okay, cool. Thanks Take everyone care. for listening and watching. This has been Founders 365.